Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Hello and welcome to the MMQB Monday Morning NFL Podcast. I am your host, Gary Gramling. I am joined by Jenny Rentis of the Weekside Podcast. And anyone who's listened to the show in the past knows what we do in April. These will be the mock draft shows, a, a four-part extravaganza coming up here in which uh, Jenny and I, and maybe Connor drops in at some point, but um, we sort of play general manager slash coach slash uh, god, perhaps, for each of these teams. And uh, go through draft needs and, and figure out what prospects might fit with uh, um, with each franchise here. Jenny, this is this is gonna be your first uh, your first run on these. Are you are you feeling confident? Are you feeling nervous? What's uh, what's going on here? Let's let's talk this out. Well, you pre warned me last night. You said that if I was going to rejoin the pod this week, that I would step <laughs> into this vortex. So I had mentally prepared myself, Gary. So. I, I don't feel quite as ready as, as Andy Benoit would, but, um, you know, at least I was advised to, you know, <laughs> ready myself for this gauntlet. Well, Andy never knew the prospects, so we can certainly uh, we can certainly run through the draft needs here, and, and I will reprise my role as prospect dork and, uh, <laughs> and, and assign players to these teams. And the way we do it is this is less a... 
who we're predicting they will take and more a who we think they should take, who we advise them to take. So, I mean, you don't even need to look at draft grades or anything after the draft. You can just go back and see if they took the player that we said they should take and and sort of uh, judge your level of anger off of that. But uh, the way we do this is eight teams per show, and we're just going to go through draft order. And when we get to teams that are uh, coming up for a second time in the first round, we just don't count those against the eight. So we will end up doing all 32 teams, including the ones who don't have first round picks. And we will just sort of assign random uh, day two dudes to those teams when we get there. But um, we are, of course, starting with the top eight. And we are going to have a lot of quarterbacks in this show. Uh, And Jacksonville Jaguars is where this draft begins. It's pretty much done. (laughs) They're they're taking Trevor Lawrence, and we're going to come up on the Jaguars again later in the first round. But uh, I guess we can kind of talk about uh, what do you expect of Trevor Lawrence in year one at this point, getting dropped into certainly what was a bad team last year, but mm-hmm. you get a new coaching staff. They made a lot of uh, signings in free agency. We'll see if they work out or not. But uh, it seems like it's a little more stable there than it's been in the past. Yeah, I think that is the ultimate question. Now we know they're going to take Trevor Lawrence. Urban Meyer essentially admitted it to Peter King last week. So they're not even playing along with the charade, which is honestly somewhat refreshing, Gary. Mm. But now the question becomes, how ready can they get Lawrence to play? Will they be able to build a successful you know, team around him and system around him and will it work out? And there are so many expectations for Lawrence. Evaluators have been waiting for him to arrive in the NFL since he was a true freshman. So now that he's here, now he's in this situation that there does seem to be a lot of optimism. You know, people in Jacksonville think Urban Meyer is involved with, you know, details on everything in the organization. They think that's a good thing. Um, They think that there's a lot of hope for a better direction, but it's still a experiment for the Jaguars. They're still going the successful college coach turned NFL coach route. And I think there is a lot of unknown with that as well. So after they get Lawrence, what other players will they be able to get in the draft to help him succeed, not just this year, but in the years to come? Yeah, successful college coach who, not not to overstate it, but didn't coach the last couple of years. So uh, we'll see what Urban Meyer's, uh, what his offense might look like in the NFL, since you're not going to go one-to-one with what you ran at uh, at Ohio State. But uh, it's going to be interesting. Trevor Lawrence is a guy who, schematically, you can do pretty much whatever you want. Uh, if you want to uh, run a, a bunch of QB power like they do with Cam, you can do that with Trevor Lawrence. If you want to run quick game, you can do that. If you want to run... Uh, you know, something uh, a, a little more uh, McVeigh-Shanahan, you can do that. I mean, you have so many options with what you can build and how you can build it around Trevor Lawrence at this point. And um, it is. It, he's, he's a no-brainer number one overall pick. Uh, it is, you know, you can go back to Andrew Luck as the last sort of, you know, surefire as surefire as they get quarterback prospect coming into the league so uh you know this is the jaguars reward for going one and 15 because we reward teams for going one and 15 in the nfl 
is how they do it these days. And they're going to have Trevor Lawrence on a super cheap contract for uh, three years, and they have a chance to build something down there. Yeah, and I guess you'll, you mentioned we'll we'll get to them again, you know, later on in in the first round. So they have a lot of places to add players around Lawrence to continue to build with him. Um, but they do still, I mean, they, they did make some good additions in free agency, but they do still have a, a lot of needs. You know, they could certainly stand to take a, a tackle, another receiver, another tight end. So they're definitely offensive players that it would make sense to continue to put around Lawrence. Yeah, could use a tackle. Uh, Marvin Jones is a nice compliment to, to DJ Shark, but maybe you... Maybe you want someone a little younger in that number two receiver spot, but uh, yeah, we'll see. Uh, we'll see how it goes. So, uh, in our mock draft, we are officially giving the Jacksonville Jaguars Trevor Lawrence, and that uh, <laughs> that drama is now gone. Um, number two, the uh, New York Jets. This is probably going to be another spot where a quarterback is going. I, I don't know where you stand on this, Jenny. I I just. Uh, I think if you're in doubt with your quarterback going into year four here and you have a chance to sort of hit reset on the rookie contract and bring in a new guy and not to mention it's a a new coaching staff coming in here, I I think you'd do it. I'm not giving up on Sam Darnold, but I just don't think it makes a whole lot of sense to hang on to him and, uh, you know, unless you were really down on the the other three or four first-round prospects here at quarterback. Yeah, I agree, but I will say that they need to learn the lessons from what happened with Darnold and why things didn't go right. Because if you remember back to the year that Darnold was drafted, he was thought to have been the safest prospect. Maybe not the highest ceiling, but people thought he had the highest floor among the the first-round quarterbacks drafted. So what went wrong for them to be in this position, again, where they're taking a first-round quarterback quarterback but that's clearly their intention you know obviously when the 49ers traded up they went to the three spot because the Jets didn't want to budge from two which indicates they are are taking a quarterback Um, so you know they have a they they signed Corey Davis in free agency is that the answer at receiver I'm not so sure Uh, but that's one piece that Darnold was really lacking in the last few years. There wasn't a, a strong receiving core. Um, they had to do a rebuild of the offensive line. So, you know, Joe Douglas is, certainly wasn't here for most of Darnold's tenure, so that doesn't fall on him. But you also need to look back at what went wrong, how the roster got to this point, and how you're not going to let it happen with the quarterback that you do take. Yeah, there were just a lot of things that didn't work out roster-wise, obviously didn't work out uh, coaching-wise during the uh, – uh, the last couple years here in New York. Uh, Michael LaFleur is in here as the new offensive coordinator. He obviously comes over from San Francisco with uh, Robert Sala. So you're going to see that uh, uh, that Shanahan-style uh, offense here, which obviously it's 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 quarterback-friendly. I mean, you've seen a lot of guys uh, across the league in these systems be quite, uh, um, quite productive here. And I'll say this, uh, and we brought it up on this podcast the last couple of times. The uh, we're way early on 2022, but you know the 2022 quarterback class doesn't look great. It doesn't look like there will be any uh, sort of veteran free agent type guys uh, available for teams searching for a quarterback. So uh, these three guys seem like they are going to be, uh, and, and three guys I'm right now referencing uh, Trey Lance, 
uh, Zach Wilson and Justin Fields. And you could throw Mac Jones in there, who I'm sure will come up uh, later in the show or this series. But um, if you are thinking you are going to need a quarterback in the next two years, it's almost like if you have a chance for one of these guys, it's really hard to uh, to pass up on them at this point. So uh, Zach Wilson is the guy everyone's kind of penciling in here. They're, the, the three between Wilson, Fields, and Lance are all really tricky evaluations. Uh, Wilson's kind of a one-year wonder. Uh, Lance, obviously, we know, you know, not only coming up from an FCS school, but only played in one game last year. He's also a one-year starter, essentially. And uh, and Justin Fields, I, I have some uh, reservations about the offense he ran at Ohio State. I don't think it did him a ton of favors, but it probably also well, possibly also prepared him better uh, for the NFL. But uh, Zach Wilson seems like he's the guy at this spot. And I just wanted to highlight one thing on Zach Wilson that I find fascinating is big-time arm talent. And when you see guys like, you know, Josh Allen is the one who sort of stands out. uh, But, uh, you know, obviously you you throw Mahomes in there, you know, any of these guys with just these monster arms. Um, When you see these guys get their feet set, and uh, and just uncork a throw. I mean, it's, you know, even going back to Wyoming, some of these some of these fastballs Josh Allen delivers are it, it's almost like an audible gasp when he throws it. Uh, it is just another class of arm talent. As far as Zach Wilson goes, when his feet are set, you almost don't see those kinds of throws. It, it, it's not a uh, he's not underarm by any stretch of the imagination. He he just you know he doesn't throw that, I don't know, 120 mile an hour fastball that some of these other guys do. But when Wilson has to move and throws these sort of off platform, sort of strange body contortion type of throws, it's almost like he doesn't lose anything on those. Like he can throw those just as easily as he can throw, uh, you know, the ball with his feet set, which is just a really, uh, uh, you know, really strange combination of, of strengths here. And, uh, you know, obviously he, he ran that offense well when he just had to run it on time last year. Uh, but it seems like he is the number two guy in this draft. And, you know, it, it certainly he'll fit what they want to do here in, uh, uh, in, in New York under Mike LaFleur. Yeah, that's a really interesting observation. And I think that is a very important trait to have in today's NFL, right, to be able to make throws from different arm angles, to make off-balance throws, uh, you know, there's always this collective awe when Patrick Mahomes does these things, and he certainly has a unique ability to do it. But you basically do have to do a lot of things off schedule, and you have to sort of make plays happen where it doesn't seem like a play could happen. Uh, and so if he has that ability, that would be a trait that would be hard to pass up on. So we will go to the 49ers now with uh, with the Jets taking Zach Wilson. And 49ers obviously coming up for a quarterback here. They traded up from the 12 spot with uh, with the Dolphins, and then the Dolphins jumped back up into the into the top six. But uh, the 49ers have a very interesting choice here at quarterback. Everyone wants to see who uh, who Kyle Shanahan is going to take as a uh, you know sort of this this quarterback guru here. And mm-hmm. the options he has are again just really interesting. Kyle Shanahan wants quarterbacks who who play quick, who make quick decisions, who don't play out of structure a whole lot. Uh, if you are looking at the three remaining first-round quarterbacks here, I know a lot of people want to pencil Mac Jones in here. Mac Jones stylistically fits what Kyle Shanahan does. Uh, 
Justin Fields, I think, potentially can fit in here, but the the one criticism of Fields, and I think this might be a result of of the number of, of option routes they they run in Ohio State that sort of has him holding onto the ball longer, but if you were looking at Justin Fields' tape, I don't know if he automatically is someone you would pencil in as as sort of a surefire, excuse me, surefire Kyle Shanahan type of quarterback. And then you have Trey Lance. I think Trey Lance is the is the best fit here. Uh, they've said they want Jimmy Garoppolo to start uh, at least at the beginning of 2021, and we'll see how it goes. But uh, to me, it comes down to Trey Lance or Mac Jones, if indeed Zach Wilson goes too. And I don't know. I, we had the discussion with Albert Breer last week uh, about what constitutes sort of a, a high-floor quarterback prospect in 2021, and it's not what it used to be where you sort of look at a guy and say, like, oh, he's productive and he's, he's a good game manager type guy. It's almost the guys who... Uh, the guys who can do a lot of different things, uh, the guys who have movement skills, where you know if if uh, uh, if they don't work out in your sort of traditional offense, you can do things with them other than what you would normally do. And and I think Lance falls into that category. I do not think Mac Jones does. I just don't. I I find it hard to believe that the 49ers would come all the way up to three to get Mac Jones at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they come up to three. They obviously there is a quarterback that they could get three that they like. So somebody beyond Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson that they would like in the three spots. And I think your reasoning makes a lot of sense. The fact that Garoppolo is still on the roster, and I guess, look, things could change, who knows, but it, in theory, if he stays on the roster and starts some games in 2021, as has been what the team has indicated, then you don't have to play the rookie quarterback right away, which generally is the right way to go. That often works out best for the quarterbacks if they can learn a little bit and then come in later. And so I think because of that reasoning, then you could go with a Trey Lance or somebody that you would you would want to have a little bit of time to make that leap to the NFL coming from, you know, North Dakota State, for instance. Um, so I think I would agree with you, Gary. And I um, I think your explanation, too, of wanting a quarterback with different skill sets is so important. And I think over the last few years, perhaps that's led to some of the misses on quarterbacks because what uh, what you're looking for has been morphing and teams haven't been quite sure how to – uh, how to adjust to that or how to evaluate that and, and how to place a different importance on skill sets that are becoming more more critical to succeeding at the NFL level. Yeah, our uh, our buddy Greg Bishop had done a, a piece on Josh Allen back in, it was September or October last year, but uh, he was talking to Jordan Palmer, who, you know, is, is sort of the quarterback coach out in, uh, uh, out in California who works with a lot of these guys. But uh, Palmer made a comment along the lines of, uh, this is not a direct quote, but it was something like, you know, Josh Rosen might be the last guy we see go in the first round who doesn't have movement skills as a major strength. It's just where the game is going at this point. Um, and I would put uh, I would put Mac Jones in that class as sort of a, you know, a guy who has, he, he's, he's, a, he's a solid athlete. Um, 
he's certainly not a guy you're going to build around his movement skills, though, um, when it comes to building your offense. And I think that's enough of a limitation to sort of take him out of this, uh, you know, top five draft pick conversation here uh, as productive and as as good as he was. And, and frankly, he, he he was better than Tua Tungavailoa at, uh, at Alabama last year. And you've heard that from some of the Alabama receivers at this point. But um, he's going to come up a couple of times in the uh, in these shows, I believe, and maybe maybe as soon as number four to the Falcons, but probably not number four to the Falcons. So um, we're uh, we're giving Trey Lance uh, to the 49ers. And actually, one more thing I wanted to bring up with the 49ers is the Garoppolo factor here. And, you know, there's a report uh, this past weekend that they want a first round pick for Garoppolo and everyone sort of got to do their their guffaws and whatever else and 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 point and laugh but uh uh i mentioned earlier and i mentioned a couple times on the show not a great quarterback class coming up in 2022 if they play garoppolo this year and they get the kind of season they thought they were going to be getting out of garoppolo the last two years if you know he stays healthy and and on the field and just sort of has it has a solid quality season here a year from now when when he's you know he'll be final year of that deal it's it's non-guaranteed he does not make a whole lot of money for a starting quarterback in NFL at this point uh you know it, it, it would be uh uh mid 20s uh is what you're looking at for a, for a cap it he could absolutely have a big market after the season it, it's it's certainly not a guarantee and if he plays like he did last season he will not have a big market and they'll just move on from him but uh, there's no reason to just write off Jimmy Garoppolo as a completely wasted asset at this point. Uh, he is a guy who they can trade next offseason. That's a good point, Gary. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter let's please welcome jamal crawford to point game king of the court one-on-one tournament if they had it back in your prime do you think he could have took it all i'm gonna be honest with you i don't think i could have took it all but i think i would have shocked a lot of people i think kobe and everybody in their prime kobe would win a one-on-one contest yeah yeah because you gotta think he's gonna guard he don't care about guarding He's gonna guard. He's gonna exactly. guard. Like you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's gonna guard. And then on I'm top of that, like that, see that, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what yeah. I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college? Because he didn't need it. 
<laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. Someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go Papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. The Atlanta Falcons at four. Uh, this is this is another one. Do they do they take the quarterback or do they not take the quarterback? And I guess they're just they're one of those organizations. I I don't think Matt Ryan is done, but they're probably looking at this and sort of telling themselves we're never going to pick this high again ever. So what do we do here? Last time they were up this high, they took Matt Ryan. Uh, here they are, twelve years later, thirteen years later, and um, they have a chance to get their next quarterback. Yeah, this is a really interesting spot, Gary, because what you said, looking forward, you know, we, we know that teams consider the next draft class as they make their plans for the current one. So the point you made about maybe the 2022 draft class doesn't look as good for quarterbacks, although we know guys can come out of nowhere and change things. But if they're considering that and you're saying, hey, we're at four, we're at a prime place to get a quarterback but at the same time they just restructured Matt Ryan's contract so now he has dead cap hits that are over 40 million each of the next two seasons so it indicates that they're planning to stick with him so do you take the quarterback at four given that you have indicated that you're you're wanting to stick with him um or do you take, you know, a, a top weapon for Ryan or some other area of the roster where you have a need? So this is going to be a really interesting question, and we'll sort of answer how they feel about Ryan. This is, and and uh, Albert Breer mentioned on last week's show, they've had all their main decision makers, uh, Arthur Smith and, uh, and, and Terry Fontenot at all of these pro days for the quarterbacks, and that would sort of signal to you like, oh, they're interested, but they also could be making people think that they're interested so they come up and uh, make a big offer for the number four pick for the fourth of these sort of big four quarterbacks available this year so you could see it either way Um, when you look at the rest of the roster it's just really interesting with the Falcons because we've said for like three years every time around uh, around the draft like like, boy, they just need more talent on this defense. They, they need more, uh, especially as far as edge rushers go. 
uh, you know, Dan Quinn running that sort of uh, Seahawks-style cover three defense for all those years. They just weren't talented enough to make it work. And now you have uh, – Quinn is obviously out. Uh, Arthur Smith is the head coach. Dean Pease is in as the defense coordinator. Dean Pease is a guy who can manufacture a pass rush without sort of top talent here. So uh, you might sort of cross edge rusher off of this list of – at least urgent needs. I mean, you always want to be good at that position, but uh, I don't think it's the kind of need it has been for the last couple of years for the Falcons here. I think the the bigger needs, if you're looking at this offense, you're, you're probably looking at offensive tackle at this point. And, uh, and obviously you have a, a really good offensive line ca- class and you have two top 10 prospects in a, in a Penny Sewell and Rashawn Slater uh, in this class. So you could, you could take and, you know, you have not only, uh, a top pass protector, but we know in this Arthur Smith offense, you want to do a lot of wide zone running, and those are guys who are you know athletic left tackle types who can get out there and uh, and and really be a big part of your your rushing offense here. So I think offensive tackle makes a lot of sense. Quarterback certainly, if you're thinking, uh, you know, we've got maybe two years left with Matt Ryan. If you're being pessimistic, and maybe we just get the next guy now and. Like I said with Garoppolo, if they want to deal Matt Ryan, there's going to be a market for Matt Ryan uh, this upcoming offseason. Yeah, so there's a lot of different directions. And I think this is clearly where the draft starts. I mean, you can pencil in quarterback for the top three picks, and you're starting at four, and you have no idea which way they're going to go. They could go quarterback. They could go any number of positions. Um, so I think that the Falcons are a really intriguing, um, intriguing slot. And that's added to that is the fact that they do have this new regime. So you don't really have any tendencies to go on. What should we do, Jenny? I, I think we're, I think we're looking at Justin Fields or we're looking at one of the offensive tackles, probably, probably, uh, Penny Sewell. I, I think he's really ideal for for what the uh for what Arthur Smith does with his uh with his run game here let's go offensive tackle Gary all right Penny Sewell from Oregon to the Falcons big blow for the Bengals it it, it's always just being the Bengals is is sometimes a uh a big blow, but uh, we are to the Bengals at five, and obviously quarterback is is not a need here in any way, shape, or form. Uh, we'll see if uh, you know if Justin Fields is on the board. Do they end up trading out of this spot? Uh, but we are, of course, locked in. We are not doing trade downs in this mock draft exercise, uh, as we call it. But mm-hmm. uh, Bengals, they need offensive line help. They need uh, probably receiver help, and th- there are a ton of receivers available and uh if you're not looking receiver you are looking uh Rashawn Slater here but as far as receivers go you could take Jamar Chase who's the top receiver in this class and and reunite him with with Joe Burrow and that is I don't know it's always a it's always a feel-good storyline if you're uh if you're the Cincinnati Bengals yeah if Sewell is not on the board I could very easily see them trading down and then getting an offensive lineman wherever they trade down to because there will be a lot of teams that may want to come up for a quarterback um so but we're not doing trades gary so that eliminates that option here yeah yeah the other thing with this receiver class is we've said this this will be the the 
the second straight year where we're just saying like, wow, this is a historic receiver class coming out. And you saw how it affected free agency this year where uh, a lot of these receivers, you know, whether it be Juju Smith-Schuster or guys like that who were expecting to get big deals just didn't get big contracts here. So it's almost like receiver is such an important position. Uh, you know, we always we don't do it because it's just boring at this point, but uh, the running back conversation about how it's just not a high value position and, you know, you can plug anyone in there. You can't necessarily do that with receiver, but there's just so many talented receivers coming into the league and so many available, uh, whether it be via draft or free agency. It's almost like that has just flooded the market and devalued the position overall. So if you're the Bengals, are you just saying like, well, we can, you know, we got T Higgins in the early second last year. So, why don't we just do that again instead of taking uh, uh, Jamar Chase here, even though, again, Jamar Chase would be uh, neat to see with, with Joe Burrow once again. Yeah, it would be neat to reunite them. And, yeah, there's a lot of teams in the top ten that have a receiver need. I just think that for the Bengals, the line need is so glaring because of what happened to Burrow last year. You know, obviously he has a season-ending ACL tear and just constantly uh, under pressure. Uh, so, it's hard to see them not going offensive line. All right. Jenny has banged the table here, and we are uh, we're going to give Rashawn Slater the Northwestern offensive tackle. That'll be there. Uh, if, if this is how it plays out, it'll be interesting to see how they sort out uh, him and Jonah Williams. Uh, Riley Reef is, is there as well as sort of a, a stopgap type solution there uh, in Cincinnati, but... Uh, there we go. Two tackles off the board. Justin Fields still on the board as we get to the Dolphins. Though with the Dolphins trading out of three, you would you would think they kind of you know resign themselves to not taking a quarterback, and they have said publicly Tua is their guy. Yeah. So if somebody wants to come up to six, and they could get more picks and move down could totally see that happening because if if the Dolphins are going to take a receiver back to your earlier point Gary there are a lot of receivers so do you make that swap somebody wants to come up to get fields you move down you still get a good receiver maybe you have three guys you like at the receiver position and you figure well we'll still be able to get who we want if we move down then you know I don't know. This seems to be their thing, just amassing draft picks. So it's hard to rule that option out. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's interesting because I would say there's there's a big three with the receivers here. I, I think Jamar Chase is clearly number one, but you would put, uh, you know, I mean, I I think Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle, the two Alabama mm-hmm. guys, are both the you know I I think they both would have gone above any of the receivers taken last year so you have three really good receivers there's i just find it really interesting and it's whatever it's 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 overblown but uh jalen waddle and Devonte smith both reportedly said uh that they prefer mac jones over to a tongue of Iowa. and so there's this whole like you know i don't know Two months ago, there was all this like, oh, you got to get him Devontae Smith, got to get him Jalen Waddle. He knows him from college, you know, get him comfortable type of thing. And 
And to bring in one of those guys after they're like, yeah, I think Mac Jones is better is kind of, I don't know, that would be an awkward conversation, I guess. They weren't necessarily bashing Tua, and obviously they have reason to pump up their uh, their teammate Mac Jones, who is going into the draft and still sort of trying to find his place in the NFL, whereas Tua is uh, kind of established in Miami as far as we know at this point. But um, it would, I would think, be an awkward conversation. So you're, what you're trying to say, Gary, is you want to go Jamar Chase at the spot for the Dolphins. I, I Look, I, I think Jamar Chase is just better than the other two guys. Uh, not significantly so, but I find it difficult to, uh, to justify taking either guy over him. And I think that the, the Matt the Jones reason. is better comments kind of, kind of clinches that for there me. There you go. I like it. It's the best decision for a lot of reasons. All right, Jamar Chase, LSU quarterback, quarterback, LSU wide receiver to the Dolphins for Tua Tungavailoa, and uh, that'll be that'll be nice there. I, I think Will Fuller was a nice addition to that uh, receiving core this offseason, but I don't know if he's a long-term guy, and, uh, you know, everyone plays three receivers at this point anyway. So uh, Jamar Chase to Miami, which brings us to the seventh pick, and the Detroit Lions, who are really just a – uh, a bit of a blank canvas here at this point. I would not rule out quarterback with the Lions if, uh, you know, in our scenario here, Justin Fields has fallen to them. Uh, but, I mean, you just look up and down this roster. They kind of need uh, they need everything <laughs> when it comes down to it. Yeah, they have, as you said, blank slate is just kind of the best way to describe it. They have a, a lot of rebuilding to do, and I think they realize that and know that it's going to take a while to get this roster where they need it to be. Uh, it's just really hard to overlook the glaring need at receiver. And, you know, I think you have Jared Goff. They want, would be interested in seeing, well, can they make it work with Goff? They also have this somewhat intriguing backup Tim Boyle, who beat Love out to be Rogers' backup last year. So I think they go receiver here, um, and I think they they see what they have with Goff. Um, and as you've said, there's a lot of receivers to choose from. I, I think that makes a lot of sense. I You know, the one thing that's really interesting to me is uh, uh, Brad Holmes is obviously the new general manager there, and uh, uh, they do have glaring needs in the defensive secondary, but I wonder one year after the older team just took Jeff Okuda, who did struggle as a rookie, I wonder if they just have the stomach to uh, take a Caleb Farley or uh, Patrick Sertain the second or someone like that and uh, and go cornerback back-to-back years. Uh, or does that just not affect them? Because they're just saying we're the new guys. But uh, um, if you're looking at the receiver class, I like Jalen Waddle better than Devontae Smith. However, I think Devontae Smith is a better fit uh, with Jared Goff and, and Goff with what he does stylistically uh, in this you know, in, in what's going to be a, a new look offense here for the Lions. So um, I would like Devontae Smith in this spot. Uh, I don't know if there's anything you can do to stop me here, Jenny, but uh, that's, go for uh, it, Gary. I trust that's, your judgment. That's, that's, that's where I'm going here. Devontae Smith to the Lions, who again, just it's, it's a full on rebuild going on right now in, uh, in Detroit. And they could go a number of ways here. Uh, and that brings us to the final pick of our first installment of the mock draft series, and that is the Carolina Panthers, who uh, last year spent the entire draft on defensive picks. This year, you figure they're going heavy on offense. And by the way, uh, if you hadn't noticed at this point, much, much stronger class on the offensive side of the ball than on the defensive side of the ball here. But uh, the Panthers have been looking 
for for a quarterback. They are, some might say, just desperately looking for a quarterback at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they're... I think they're okay to live with Teddy Bridgewater for another year, but uh, in this scenario, uh, you have so many question marks uh, around what Deshaun Watson's situation is going to be in 2021. Mm-hmm. Uh, they want a new quarterback. If Justin Fields is there, it feels like it makes a ton of sense. If they decided not to go with Fields, you are, uh, again, I, I think you're just desperate to get help on the offensive line. But, of course, in our exercise at this point, uh, you have uh, basically lost the top two offense, offensive linemen off the board. Uh, Slater and, and Sewell are already gone. And the other option is Kyle Pitts, the Florida tight end. If you wanted to get even more athletic and, and dangerous with your, uh, your pass-catching group here, although obviously that receiving group is a strength for Carolina at this point. Yeah, I think you're right, Gary. They've been desperate in the quarterback market. I don't think there will be any clarity with the Watson situation in the next month. And I think it makes sense to take a quarterback this year. As you said, they, they could live with Bridgewater, but if they're sitting at eight or even if they want to move up for, for fields, for instance, um, as we discuss other trade options to potentially move up, um, I think that is their pick. Yeah, Justin Fields going to Carolina here. Uh, It'd be really interesting in a scenario uh, if Fields is off the board and and they're looking at Mac Jones. This is one of the spots where I think it's kind of a danger spot for Mac Jones just because uh, he's not a guy who creates his own time and space uh, as well as some of these these other young quarterbacks in the league. So if, if you plug him in there behind what's uh, not a great offensive line. I think you're you're asking for trouble there. Of course, they could always just play Bridgewater for the first part of uh, 2021, or perhaps all of 2021, and figure it out later. But um, yeah, I think uh, I think quarterback is probably the answer here if the two uh, tackles are not available for the Panthers. And uh, that's that's it. That's that's our top eight. Our top eight is penciled in here, and. Uh, we have lots of mock draft to go over the rest of the month. And I don't know, this is this is just going to be a really interesting draft. Like you said, Jenny, once you get to four and uh, the way the rest of this first round unfolds. Yeah, I feel like I really miss, messed things up, Gary. I don't know what your plan at four had been before I piped up and said... Uh said not to go quarterback, but um, I think it is instructive because it is, I always use this word, but it it really is like a choose your own adventure from that point. And once you make one decision, then all the others follow from there. And there are just so many options at four for Atlanta. If Justin Fields becomes a star, you will never be the fake general manager of the Falcons. Right. That's true. That's That's true. Never live it down. I disqualified (laughs) myself. All right, that'll do it. We'll uh, we'll be back next week with picks 9 through 16. And uh, uh, like I said, we're going to hit all 32 teams as we always do just to just to go over the draft needs. That's part of the exercise. Uh, Jenny, we'll uh, we'll talk to you next week. Maybe, maybe Connor Orr comes and chimes in and we uh, we get more cooks in the kitchen and this whole thing just becomes a total mess. Looking forward to it, Gary. <laughs> 
The MMQB Monday Morning NFL Podcast is Jenny Prentice and me, Gary Gremling. We are produced by Shelby Royston. SI's executive producer of podcasts is Scott Brody. Mark Bravick is emeritus editor of the MMQB. And Andy Benoit is the founder of the MMQB NFL Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to this feed as well as the feeds for the Weekside Podcast and the Albert Breer Show. They're all for free on Apple Podcasts. And once you do, leave a rating and review for all of them. It really does help other people find the shows, which are also available on Spotify, Radio.com, Stitcher, SI.com, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. From BBC Radio 4. Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah! And some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love that! A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in! Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it! Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.